0: Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the Occupier's Champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to Cressa.com slash Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. We continue to do our virtual sessions. I'm excited to have our next episode, our next guest, who was guest number one when we first started this, Aaron Kraljev. Welcome back, Aaron.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah. You have to tell everybody that the only reason I was guest number one is you did it alphabetically.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you got a new job too since then. So that was back in 2017 was the first episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, let's, let's start for the folks, you know, maybe you didn't listen to that episode or don't know you, you have a new job. Do you mind just uh, giving a little overview of your, yourself and your, your role?
1: Yeah, i happy to, and, and thank you for having me back. Uh, episode one must have gone well since you've had 100, and uh, I didn't, uh, didn't stretch off on the wrong foot. I think both for you and I, um, it's astonishing. And, and given the time we find ourselves in right now, yeah. um, it's even more astonishing just how much things have changed in 36 months, yeah. um, both politically, economically, personally. You've had some huge changes in your life as well. I've had mm-hmm. some huge changes. Um, So since you asked, um, at the beginning of the year, beginning of 2020, I left what I've lovingly referred to as one of the more impactful relationships in my life, 22-year career at Wells Fargo, uh, Mm -hmm. to go work for uh, Fisher Investments over the river in Camas, Washington, as their head of talent acquisition. Um, Great opportunity, great firm, um, smaller company, but a a larger role, um, Mm -hmm. chance to do something I'm, I'm obviously very comfortable with, but taking what I've learned at my time at Wells, huge company, right, uh, mm-hmm. 270,000 employees, and taking those things I learned to a company that's got 37, 3800 employees. Um, and, you know, not everything's plug and play. Uh, I right. learned a lot of things along the way, but it's been, a, it's been, uh, we were talking earlier, you know, it's been three months, but given the coronavirus and, and the stock market and, and the job market and everything that's happening, it feels like I've been there three years already. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. It's just a thing. I mean, I don't think anybody would ever choose to switch jobs, especially a job they were tenured at, and then walk right into what we're saying today.
0: Yeah, it's crazy times. And I, I want to kind of start with, you what you can share about making that transition like you said you were there for wells fargo you're uh, leading the employer brand function 22 years and walk me through a little bit about the decision because i know you have such good relationships at wells fargo a lot of these folks you worked with uh almost 20 years right so uh how was that like what was walk it through i think it'd be valuable for people uh maybe in the same spot or just um you know deciding on the same situation?
1: Yeah, well I mean to to in short, it's just it's not easy. Um I I had uh while I was still very engaged at work, um I don't, you know, you, you can't not be engaged, especially in a, in a in a role where you're managing the employer brand of a company that hires a hundred thousand people a year being disengaged is not an option. So yeah. super engaged. But yeah. I think um, about 2018, I had started toying with the notion of, of making a change. And, and I think I, at the risk of being cliche, I was like, you know, look, if I don't do this now, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to an age to a point in my life where a, a, a move was going to have to get made, not desperately, but a move was going to get made. It was going to be in the next couple of years, 24 to 36 months. And so I started looking and uh, I learned a lot about what I do for a living and the work that I support for a living by being a job seeker. Um, I had not been on the other end in forever, ever, yeah. probably. And so um, when you're interviewing for jobs as an HR professional or a town acquisition professional, it, 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 it's kind of like buying a car, you know, when you've been a car salesman, right? Like right? You know the tricks, you know what they're trying to do, you know what's coming next. And so I think you have a higher expectation for the experience you're going to have and the level of treatment you're going to get. And um, I've seen sides, no, I didn't interview for a town job. i a handful of organizations who their corporate facing or their customer facing persona is very different than what you see when you're actually interviewing for work. Mm-hmm. And there's that old joke um about and I won't tell the whole joke but basically you know how different things are when you're a candidate versus when you're an employee you're like that's when it gets real. Yeah. And um and and I think you know you can see some of that when you're going through the process. So I um, talked to a few folks, and um, at some point during the process, uh, Fisher Investments had reached out to me. And I think from initial outreach to my first day was maybe 18 months. Um, wow. And really, it was, it was just a matter of um, some very, you know, uh, two-way conversation back and forth, talking about the market, what we're seeing. We really weren't even talking about it. Um, me making a change or them having an opening or an opportunity for me. And those conversations kind of blossomed into what it was at the end of the day that led me to leave with Wells Fargo. Now, you know, what was that transition like? What was it like giving my notice? What was it like saying goodbye to my team, to people who I had been, as you said, uh, working alongside for 22 years? Uh, It's, you know, it was it was way worse <laughs> than anything I would have imagined. I mean, a lot of ways it was gut wrenching. And if it wasn't, I probably should have left a lot sooner. Yeah. Um, it sh- it should have absolutely been as hard as it was. And I still talk uh, daily, in a lot of ways, uh, chat, text, whatever it may be, with folks that that I was on the front lines with. And those those you know, while my relationship to the Wells Fargo brand you know, had changed over the years, my relationship with them will go on forever.
0: Sure. And the side note to this is your wife still works for Wells Fargo.
1: Sure does. Yeah, sure does. And, uh, she's coming up on 30 years. Oh my gosh. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I just don't, I don't, I don't see that changing anytime soon. She's, uh, (laughs) she, I think she's gotten on the other side of that decision where she's like, yep, this is is what it's going to be. And, uh, you just, you just kind of go from there. It's, it's really interesting. I was And this has got nothing to do with anything, but I was Hmm. cleaning up some files I had and I found a presentation I did, this is a shameless plug, uh, at Indeed Interactive 2018. So um, I was speaking in a room of three to four hundred people and I actually said to these three to four hundred people, I'm never leaving Wells (laughs) Fargo. And at that time, I very much felt that way. In fact, in a lot of ways, I'm like, I I still can't believe just how different um, things have things are that change that's been made and all that, that kind of kicked off. So that just goes to show you how quickly these things can change and how once an idea gets momentum, it just kind of picks up steam from there.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I want to kind of get into just in light of everything that's going on now is, um, as far as recruiting <laughs> what's this not necessarily specific to to your company now but just the industry and where things are at we're kind of on this holding pattern uh what are you hearing for some from some of your you know talent acquisition peers uh, what's going on like what how are, are how are uh, uh folks kind of uh, approaching this in the recruiting you know talent space
1: yeah um you know like any self-respecting uh adult, I get all my news from Twitter. And so <laughs> um, I, I'm connected with a lot of people that do what I do. And so a lot of the chatter out there is really kind of this, it's almost like we've got our own Slack channel for town acquisition leaders and, yeah. and for brand leaders. And so we're talking about a lot of the same things. And what's interesting to me is that the challenges that we're seeing every day are really similar through a lot of different industries. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about travel industry getting hit hard and, and um, you, you know, uh, food and, and service and retail and and no doubt they've been hit really hard. Finance has been hit hard, just given um, how tumultuous has been in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, given the unemployment numbers that came out today, which are are stunningly, it's it's not great news. There's a lot of people that found themselves out of work. And I think one of the things that I've picked up out of this that um, I'm having a hard time with is this notion of essential versus non-essential. Mm. Um, that is something that's being used as basically kind of um, should your business be open and viable or are you non-essential? Ergo the people that work for your business are not essential and right. you can go ahead and close. And I think on some level, regardless of what we do, we are essential. We're essential to the livelihood of our families, our loved ones. Uh, we're essential in the contributions we make to our employers. And so I, I wish they would have used a different phrase because mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways, it's made some people feel less, less than, especially if some of those folks are finding themselves unemployed. Yeah. And so in some ways, it's really hard. You've got me all wound up here, Dan, so I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. Some It's really hard because we've taken these people who we've deemed non essential and now they've found themselves out of work, and the job market has been so good for so long. I mean, up until recently, we've had more job openings than people to fill them. Now we've flipped that on its head and we've got you know, an additional eight to 12 million people who are filing unemployment claims. The entire job market and the it being an employee-driven or a candidate-driven market has been completely flipped on its head. So I'm trying to think glass half full and say, when this does run its course, we're going to have this, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be able to really talk to candidates at a time where they're going to be a lot more open to these conversations than they would have been in the past. And I don't say that you know while twisting my mustache uh, in kind of an evil way i'm saying <laughs> right. it's a really it's a really good time to match people with opportunity, and I think in the past you know we, we're just coming off the longest bear history ever a bear market in history ever right uh, sorry, market. bull market yeah. in history ever and i've been in, I've been in you know, investment for over three months <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we can We can go ahead and edit that because makes dog such a dummy but um i'll start again we're coming off the, the longest bull market ever. And uh, when things are good, people are less likely to be open to conversations and making a move. And Absolutely. now we're, we're, we've, that thing has been just, it's been flipped on its head. And so I'm very much looking for forward to us coming out of this and what the job market's going to be like as we rebuild uh, and help people transition new roles.
0: Yeah. And I love that attitude and, and that perspective of it doesn't, change the kind of candidate experience you need to give people if anything it, once we pick up it's gonna be more competitive it, again if you have all these talented people looking again so um it's, it's not an opportunity to pick up for people uh, uh, for cheap or something like that not to be crass but i mean unfortunately there'll be companies maybe that think that way but um you know it's you got to almost step up your game
1: yeah, I think one of the things, you know, um, the candidate experience become kind of a cottage industry. Right, we're going to hold on one sec. i got a oh. lot of racket. Somebody's dropping something off. No problem. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, this <laughs> is the downside to working from home. Hey, my right? four-year-old might be here at
0: any, at any moment,
1: so I get it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all good. It's all good. Okay, we settled down. Uh, it, it's something I've given a lot of thought to is um, the notion of candidate experience is something that's really only come to the forefront in the last four or five years. Not coincidentally, it's also around the same time that companies were having a really hard time finding, attracting, and onboarding talent. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm a little skeptical that this notion of providing a world-class candidate experience. Now, I'm coming off being a job seeker, right? So I've, I've lived both good and bad uh, candidate experience. My, my hope isn't all this, that people don't forget this muscle that they had learned over the past few years, um, that... that it's really important to treat their candidates like customers knowing in a lot of consumer facing industries, they are your customers. And if right. you provide a terrible candidate experience, it's going to have a real negative impact on your consumer facing brand. So hopefully this notion of candidate experience, even though employers in four months, six months a year are going to be far better positioned uh, to attract talent than they have at any time in the last 12, 13 years. I still hope they, they remember to keep the candidate first.
0: Well, if they don't, um, it's going to come back back at me. Even how, how uh, you know how folks are, are treated on the way out. If unfortunately they needed to um, be laid off or or, or furloughed, um, you know people remember that, and uh, you know so hopefully uh, people are doing things the right way. But uh, we'll, we'll kind of see.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you hear a lot. Um, in the news or, or it just in, in print word about how you tell a lot about an employer brand uh, by how their employers are handling um, this pandemic. And um, you, you know, you hear a lot of the good, you hear a lot of the bad, you don't hear about the other 80% of companies and how they're, they're handling this, this, uh, this pandemic in such a way, that's not only taking care of their customers, but their employees. And it's, it's really hard to keep your eye on both. The mm. companies that are doing that really well. I think they're going to come out of this in a much better place.
0: Absolutely, and I think the next thing I wanted to talk about, and there's, I mean, if you're on LinkedIn a lot like me or Twitter, you you see all these like work from home guides, how to do you you know uh, da da da, and I'm kind of getting over those. But it is for for companies that maybe aren't haven't embraced a work from home or doesn't have that remote kind of culture. It's forced companies. To, 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 be that way. Right. So um, I don't know if you can talk to that, of uh, folks, you know, that work at companies that like that, or even, you know, what, what Fisher um, is doing it, whatever you can share.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. There's lots, you know, there's this huge spectrum of uh, the appetite for companies to allow for remote work. Um, I'm coming off 10 years of remote work, uh, pretty continuous. And mm-hmm. so, working from home for me was something I was very comfortable with. In fact, one of one of the appealing things about making this change is I was really looking forward to working side by side with my team. Um, you, you know, managing a remote team is great; um, a lot of real strong connectivity there. But when you're working with 50, 60, 70, 80 folks, and you can work with them every day and um, create those connections face to face, that's that's entirely something different. Yeah. And um, it's it's something I had taken for granted probably all these years and something I was thoroughly enjoying up until the point where we all had to go back remote. And so um, you get companies who you know, allow their folks to work remote because it's cost effective for them. They don't have, to have office space, they don't have to have desks and all the stuff that comes with that. It's good for the employee. It, it gives them better, greater flexibility. They can do things. their kids to school, go to appointments, that kind of thing, all while doing their role when and where they need to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get these folks who, you know, don't have jobs that allow them to afford for remote work. And I think that's where, whether it's from just not wanting to or the work isn't really aligned in such a way that remote work is possible. And that's where it gets really, really hard because those folks have found themselves in a really tough spot. And if you Mm -hmm. haven't evolved to a point where you can do that, I think Um, this pandemic has exposed a lot of cracks in the foundations of organizations, but they're just, you know, that lack of flexibility or the lack of the way they approach the work by not being able to do it remote. It's, it's, it's really made it hard on them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, even for, you know, regulated industries like yourself, I mean, it's not, it's not that easy just to, even though it's kind of a, maybe a white collar kind of desk, Type work, it doesn't mean you can just transfer the whole work over to to being remote. I'm sure with um, the regulations, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're you know, we we manage a recruiting function and all that comes with it. And so, um, while we're not customer facing, uh, we do work for an investment firm, and there's there's regulations that come with that. One of the things that's challenging, though, when you work in a town acquisition business, is it's a very relationship driven business. Mm-hmm. Um, Our firm likes to bring people on site. We like to have face-to-face interviews, all these different things that this pandemic is just not going to allow you to do. And so from a recruiting process standpoint, it's really um, forced us to take a look at our process and how we can manage that now. And I'll be curious to see once this is all said and done, how much of what we've evolved to at this point to manage hiring through the pandemic will carry on because we've found that there's some efficiency to be had there.
0: And I've heard I've been talking to other folks that are in just different functions, like COO, you know CFO, and they're they've been saying the same thing. They've been you know forced to kind of do these different processes, and they're like, "Well, we found this is a lot more efficient to do this way. We're going to keep keep it this way even after this is over, right?" So hopefully, there's some positive uh, from that that comes out
1: of it. Yeah, you just never know. I think for us, it's a little different because we're not. You know, we have sites uh, globally and um, mm-hmm. chances are if, if you come to work for Fisher Investments, you're going to work at one of these sites. So at some point, as an as employee, I would want to know, I would want to see where I was going to work. That would yeah. be something that'd be absolutely wild to me. So in that case, you know, a face-to-face would be good. But I think it gives us the ability to um, take a look or let people kind of get behind the curtain a fisher, a little bit better, um, meet some people face-to-face virtually speaking before they, they make the, the jump uh, to coming on, on site.
0: Right. Well, before we go, Aaron, I'm going to, I know you're a bourbon person. Uh, what's your, uh, what's your top quarantine cocktail?
1: Uh, is this, is this become a, uh, a feature of your podcast lately? I did mean, No, you're I'm, the first I'm person here. I, I the if,
0: yeah, first person I ask, but well, maybe I'll start implementing it. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, is, this is the content I'm here for. Um, <laughs> So true, true story, uh, when, when, I, I'm, I'm not a prepper by any, by any step of the imagination, but I'd like to think we're, we were kind of ahead of this thing at the Carl Joe household. And so um, got on top of the toilet paper thing first and started, started panic shopping first before things got weird, <laughs> um, which is great. But as, as I looked at all my preparation work, I said, well, what's the last thing you're going to run out of if things, this goes on? For six, eight, 10, 12 months, 18 months. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm covered for bourbon. I mean, that, <laughs> that part I've, I've got down. Um, I've seen your stash. So uh, you definitely
0: have enough for, uh, yeah, a a couple of years.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we're good. And it's funny because when, when you're working from home and I mean, the weather's been lousy, right? This is an entirely different experience if we can go outside and, you know, golf or or, or do whatever. Um, and this is, this is not that, this is, it's just been, it's been just punitive and how bad the weather's been. But I think sitting down on like, you know, uh, pandemic, urban, um, I had a friend of a friend give me um, a taster of Blanton's Gold. Regular Blanton's is good, right? That's like, that's, that, that's amazing. A Blanton's Gold is like Blanton's squared. And it's actually not something you can get in the States. And I thought to myself, I can literally, I never say this, I can literally drink this for the rest of my life and drink nothing <laughs> else. So that's been, now that said, I have none left. And so,
0: oh bummer! I was going to ask if I could I come over have when This yeah, is over.
1: exactly right. I know we could we could practice social distancing, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, there's I've I've got lots of stuff. I've I've got some rhetoric which I really enjoyed. Regular Blanton's is super good. E H Taylor's got all kinds of fun stuff that I've been drinking. So yeah, no lack of no lack of options. But yeah, that there's always that one thing, and the fact that you can't get it makes makes you want it so much more.
0: For sure. Well, Aaron. You're the first person three years ago. Thanks for sticking with it. And, you know, congrats on the you know, new gig and, you know, looking forward to seeing each other in person, hopefully not too long. So, uh,
1: yeah, no, absolutely. My friend, I think, you know, I think about in the last three years, just how much we've hung out. Um, we've been to Charlotte together. We've been to Des Moines together. Yeah. We've, we've hung out and, and, and had drinks and, and. God knows how many French fries. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed the council and your friendship over the years. And look forward uh, to doing this number 200.
0: Yeah, let's let's do it. All right, Aaron. Thanks so much. All right.
1: Sounds good, Dan. Thank you.
0: The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.